discover the power of positivity. Identify your gifts. Then plan and execute your passion. And ultimately, thrive exponentially in life. And most importantly, in business. On Sudden Eye Impact. With your host, Lee. The environment you put me in greater than, greater than. Yes, and your life counts, and enthusiasm definitely makes a difference. Hello and welcome. You're live on the Sudden Eye Impact Show with your host, Lee, coming to you from the DFW Metroplex. On the Sudden Eye Impact Show, we have fun together, we learn together, and we encourage one another. On the Sudden Eye Impact Show, we discuss a variety of topics such as, but not limited to, 100% responsibility, accountability, accountability partners, mentorship, being of service, entrepreneurship, Relationship, communication, decision-making, self-concept, the subconscious mind, imagination, the power of thought, the power of belief, the power of expectation, belief systems, attitude, mindset mastery, consciousness, awareness, becoming the observer, the power of words, focus mastery, the power of partnership, creativity, visualization, innovation, the power of partnership, visionary leadership, economic empowerment, personal finance, goal-setting and goal attainment strategy, personal success, and paradigms. On our show, the Sudden Eye Impact Show, we share concepts, principles, processes, and systems that work when you work them that deliver good and great results. Our show's vision, mission, purpose, and intention is to discuss and deliver simple, basic, fundamental ways to help everyday people experience more fulfillment, satisfaction, enrichment, enjoyment, health, mental health awareness, and overall peace to utilizing your own latent resources that lie dormant within you. Today, we got a special show on tap for you today. We have five distinguished guests. I'm going to call out their names, and then I will introduce them as they speak. We have Lance Brooks, Jaron Banks, Rex S. Sykes, Josh P. B. Payne. I'm sorry, Josh B. Payne. And Coach Calvin Street. Hello, everybody. Thank y'all for coming. Welcome to the uh, Sutton Eye Impact Show. I believe it's going to be an amazing show. And we're going to go right into our first speaker. Our first speaker is Josh B. Payne. He is publicly recognized as a guru in financial services. Josh B. Payne is well-respected and highly sought after in Silicon Valley. Josh B. Payne possesses uncanny business wisdom. Exemplary business acumen, impeccable business savvy, and overall entrepreneurship pedigree, training up leaders in the spirit of excellence. And Josh B. Payne is also a former pro golfer. With no further ado, we bring to the stage Josh B. Payne. All right. Thanks so much, Dwight. And uh, such a pleasure to be on with you and and uh, and these amazing speakers who uh, I just can't wait to learn so much from here today. Uh, what an honor it is to be on the Sudden Eye Impact show here on Memorial Day. And a special thank you to all those who have served uh, in armed forces, who have, you know, paid the ultimate uh, sacrifice so that we can have the freedom 
to do what we're doing here today. And so it's just a real honor uh, to be here. A little bit about myself. You know, I grew up in, in Sacramento, California, uh, out here on the West Coast. Uh, my entire life, although I was a, a professional golfer, my entire life growing up since age five was driven around playing professional baseball. Went to school on a Division One college baseball scholarship, number three rated conference in the nation, named all conference, all world numbers, appeared in Sports Illustrated, MVP, Hall of Fame inductee, all this great stuff, right? So why am I speaking here today and not playing professional baseball? Well, right before my senior year, I suffered a pretty serious back injury. I remember the moment with which I was laying on my back, staring up at the sky, and knowing at that point in time, my dream I had had since I was five years old was gone. As most know, as an athlete, we are a dime a dozen. And the second that uh, an, an, an injury like that in, in baseball, you become used goods. And uh, at that moment, I knew my dream was gone. And that was a tough pill to swallow at that point in time. I remember I struggled for a while, but I did what everybody said to do, which was to finish my degree and go on and get that job that was supposed to provide for my family. Uh, that led me into the golf industry. Uh, where I ran some of the most prestigious high-end country clubs here in the Silicon Valley. And it was at this point in my life, I went through a, a major realization. As I realized being surrounded with some of the most elite people in the world, that I needed to unlearn everything I'd ever been taught about success, everything I'd ever been taught about making money, everything I'd ever been taught about building a life and a career that I desired, and learn it, relearn it from the people that had the life that I wanted. And I think this is a really important part. As I realized at that point in time in my life, and I think it's so applicable today as we think about success and coming out of 2020 and a year that really you know, challenged so many in our country. I realized that who I was and what I had done in life had gotten me to where I was. But who I was and what I had done in life to that point was not going to get me to where I wanted to go. I was going to have to change and grow. See, I wasn't happy where I was at. I believed I was destined to do something incredible in life. And that was not the trajectory that I was on. At that point, I made the decision I was going to learn everything I possibly could from those I was surrounded with so that I had the chance to design the life that I wanted. I just wasn't willing to settle. See, no matter what those circumstances were in my life at that point in time, I was going to pivot and create the dreams with the create my dreams with the path that, that the universe had laid out for me at that point. It wasn't going to be the game of baseball. The vehicle had changed, but the dream remained the same. I'm going to say that again, because I think in 2020, we're coming out of 2020, now in 2021, I think the vehicle for success in life, whatever that is defined by whoever's listening out there today, may have changed but it doesn't mean that the dream has changed. 
the God, the universe, whatever it is that you believe is your guiding force, I knew it wanted more for me. God wanted my impact to be greater than just being a professional athlete. See, as we come out of 2020, many are very uncertain as to their future. Many have a doubt, fear, that uncertainty, and not knowing what the future may hold. Therefore, I believe today more than ever, our right mindset is so very vital. See, whether you think you can recover and rebound from 2020 or you think you can't, you're right. Understand the beliefs we hold deep in our souls lead to our daily thoughts, and those thoughts lead to our actions, and those actions lead to our results. See, I find too many times as I've mentored people across the country that when we're not getting the results that we want, we look at the outcome itself. But the results, they're just a reflection of those thoughts and those beliefs. See, if I wanted to change my results, I had to start by looking inside myself and challenge the thoughts and beliefs that were producing those undesirable outcomes. I always liken it to that of a fruit tree. If a fruit tree is not bearing the quality of fruit that we desire, we don't try and nurture the existing fruits on the limbs to create bigger and more abundant crop. What we do is we go look at the nutrients in the soil. We look at the root structure of the tree. We look at the amount of hydration that tree is getting. And when we put that perfect recipe together of nutrients, root structure, and hydration, now we produce a more abundant crop. And see, the same goes for our life. When we look inside ourselves, when we improve the beliefs, when we improve the thoughts in our mind, when we raise our personal vibration, when we focus on what we want, not where we're at, we naturally take the action that supports those empowering thoughts and beliefs and start to produce the desired outcomes we seek. And this is exactly what I did in my life. I improved the beliefs and thoughts I had inside my mind of what success looked like. I improved the thoughts and beliefs I had about the impact I was destined to make. I improved the thoughts and beliefs about how I was destined to show up every day and the life I was destined to build. When I changed my roots, when I changed my success DNA, that programming I had in my mind, when I restructured that DNA about success, my life changed. Again, so vital today in 2020. So as I wrap up, I guess I would want to leave you with this. Figure out what you want. What is it that you want? Clearly define the life that you desire. Find, and then once you have that figured out, find someone who's going where you want to go. You can look into their eyes. You know they're going to get there. And they're willing to show you how to do it. And when you find that person, unhook your little red wagon 
on whatever it's hooked on and hook it on to them because they will drag seven to ten people to the top with them. Remember, everything, and I mean everything, starts in our mind. If you believe you can or if you believe you can't, you're right, as the great Henry Ford said. And I'll leave with this. Dream big, dream big, dream big. Dwight, it's my pleasure, my friend, to spend a few minutes with you. And I yield the mic back over to you, my friend. Thank you so much. This is Josh. Hey, Josh, before you check out, uh, tell all the people how they can find out more about you, how to reach you, email, business, and all that. I know you have a tight schedule. Absolutely. So um, best ways to contact me, you can contact me via email at josh at joshbpain.com, and that's P-A-Y-N-E. Or even easier might be just to find me on Instagram at at joshbpain, and feel free to reach out to me there. I get both of those directly to me, and uh, we can connect and get together and talk about making 2021 the greatest year of your life. Dwight, you're the man. It's my honor to spend a few minutes with you, my friend. And I'll Thank be hanging you, Josh, out here. Enjoy with the rest of your day. Appreciate you. You're live on the Sudden Eye Impact Show with your host, Lee. This is the Sophomore Project, The Experience, Volume 11. The show was launched in October. Today, we're talking about the law of vibration, the subconscious mind, and the law of attraction. My next guest coming up is Coach Calvin Street. He's a teacher of ancient spiritual laws broken down into modern-day understanding. He is the voice on the new podcast, Black Abyss, on Anchor. With no further ado, we bring Coach Calvin Street to the stage. How you doing, Calvin? How you doing, brother? Thank you. I definitely appreciate you um, allowing me to come speak with you for a few minutes, this is um, an amazing opportunity, you know. Um, uh, you know, this journey that we are on, you know, is the ability for us to perceive our own suffering and the ability to perceive how to create and co-create with reality. So, you know, in Shakespearean literature, they say to be or not to be. That is the question. That means you are the being who is deciding to become. So as you walk through your journey, you are understanding certain things about yourself. So you are perceiving the world through your own mind. Most people think they are seeing the world through their eyes, but they are seeing it through their mind. So what that means is there's a spiritual law called the law of correspondence and the law of vibration. So the law of correspondence says, I am perceiving the world through the frequency of my own mind, meaning that the pattern that is going on in your mind, I will create that pattern outside of yourself so that you can experience what's going on in your mind. Now, if destruction is going on in your mind, you're experiencing destruction outside of yourself. If love is going on in your mind, you will experience love outside of yourself. This is why we are all vibrating at different frequencies. But what exactly does that mean? That means we are different expressions of the same reality. That means someone can stand next to me and say, 
the world is a beautiful place. And someone can stand in the same world and say, the world is such a hateful and painful place because they are actually seeing it from their perception of their own mind. That's what correspondence does. So now in the law of vibration, it says that creator, this is what I will do for you. Correspondence has shown the world to you through your own mind. But vibration will magnetically pull to you everyone and everything that matches your vibration. So if you have a destructive mind, creator, I will pull everyone to you that has a destructive mind. If you have a destructive mind, creator, I will pull to you everyone that also experiences your vibration. I will pull to you every event in life that is destructive. And this is what vibration does. Because you see, we are magnetic. Our heart has an electromagnetic field. And we are pulling everything through us through the frequency of our thoughts. So this is now you start to understand things like imagination. Imagination deals with the inner world. See, your thoughts give the world form. Your feelings give it substance. So imagination is the ability to bring the inner world to the outer world. It's the bridge. But also bring that outer world to the inner world. Now, why imagination is important? Because the mind is not confined to the body. So people say, well, how can that be? Well, everything about ourselves teaches us about ourselves. So in the dream state, the mind says, I do not sleep. The body does. Mind awake. Body asleep. So if you turn the Wi-Fi off in your house, if you turn the modem off in your house, the Wi-Fi still exists. It still flows. If you turn your cell phone off, the cell signal still exists. It still flows. So the brain is not the mind. The brain is the modem that the mind travels through. So what's so key about imagination? Well, the mind says, listen, I am already experiencing everything that you're thinking. I am already here because I am not confined to your body. If you were going to rob a bank right now, being that you are the generator, the operator, and destroyer, you will get all three projections because you are, no, you are an observer watching your life on the movie screen. So the, 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 the bank robbery will show you you getting away with the money, you being shot in the bank, you going to prison. At that time, you are just the, an observer. You have the ability to project your consciousness into that reality to experience it. See, we're constantly observing. We, do, we have a choice to project consciousness into our experience or destroy the experience. So the mind says, I am already experiencing it, creator, but you are bind to the laws of this world. So therefore, do you want to experience such a projection? So we use another example. If you're planning our trip next Monday, the mind says, hey, I am already here. I'm already experiencing this reality. The mind says, this is what I will do. I will show you a projection of me experiencing this reality. I will show you checking into the hotel in Mexico. I will show you boarding the plane. And the mind shares the projection with you. Well, let's deal with now fear and pain. If you think, you are, if you think about losing your home next month, the mind says, hey, be careful. Because I am experiencing that thought at this very moment. 
I only obey. I am a literal beast. I can only act upon. I cannot critically think or ponder or move things around. I can only act upon every thought. So the minute you think about losing your house next month, you feel the anxiety. You feel the fear of losing your home immediately. Why are you feeling the fear of losing your home even though it hasn't happened yet? Because the mind says, I am already here. I am experiencing it. Energy must follow thought wherever it goes. What exactly does that mean, energy must follow thought? You cannot think a happy thought and feel sad. You cannot think a sad thought and feel happy. The energy must follow the thought wherever it goes. If you think a happy thought, you must feel happy. We follow the thought wherever it goes. So once we understand that, you start to understand how you can change reality with the vibration frequency of your thought. Now, one thing I like to observe in imagination is children because I call them the real magicians of the world of in-magic-nation. They are the alchemists. So the subconscious tells the creator, you, the observer, listen, I have three rules. I cannot unknow what I know. Once I hear something and I see something, I cannot turn it off. Whatever I see, whatever I hear, I cannot turn it off. It says my second rule is I do not know the difference between a negative and a positive thought. Not asking for something, creator, is asking for it. I don't want a ticket. Let's get a ticket. The one is the one that children are magnificent at. I call it their world of imagination. I do not know if you are imagining something, creator, or if you're, you know, or if it's really happening to you. I don't know if you're imagining, imagining something or if it's really happening to you, right? So if we're sitting in a movie theater and we're watching a movie and we all jump, the mind says, creator, I do not know you're watching a movie. I think someone is trying to kill you. So let's observe children as they do this wonderful creative process. The child jumps in a cardboard box and he says, mommy, I'm in a Ferrari. I'm on a racetrack. The mind says, I do not know if the child is imagining. I see the Ferrari. I see the racetrack. So what happens to children? We infer fear indoctrination on them by making them believe that the imagination is silly. And we say, move the cardboard box. Then the child says, mommy, this is my castle. I'm slaying the dragon. The mind says, I do not know the child is imagining. I see what the child sees. Now, if the child, brothers and sisters come around and they destroy his cardboard box, he starts to cry. Now, that is profound. Well, in your mind, you're saying, Calvin, well, what is so profound about that? Well, the child has made an emotional connection with his manifestation, with his imagination, and it has not even came into physical reality. That is the trick to the law of attraction. He has magnetically, through the heart, made his imagination real through making an emotional connection. This is what adults need to fathom. It is not just about thinking I can start a business, thinking I could be a millionaire. The heart says, do you really believe it? Do you really believe it like the child believes it? 
the child has an emotional connection with his manifestation. And this is when we really start to understand how all these things come together. But our first stage of our journey is to perceive our own suffering. I call it, and I end with this, knowing how to suffer and knowing how to die. What exactly does that mean? To know how to suffer is your first stage of awareness, meaning you must be persecuted, you must be talked about, you must go through the worst situations in life and still remain true to yourself. That's what it means to know how to suffer. To know how to die, meaning that the person you were when you were 15, you do not have to be them. The person you were when you were 23, you do not have to be them. You are imploding on yourself. You are killing these versions of yourself to become the greatest version of yourself. Because the person you were when you were 15, 23, 34 no longer serve you. So now you are learning how to die. You are learning how to remove parts of yourself that no longer serve you. Because the ability and the lesson here is to go through the inevitable things of change. As we constantly change, people will not accept it and people will not expect it. So we are detaching from cells that don't serve us to become a greater version of ourselves. And I thank you. Thank you, Calvin. Hold up. We'll be coming back to you. I got a little excerpt, and I want to ask a question. Hey, if anybody has any noise in the background, can you mute your mic while that's going on or uh, turn it down, please? This is a powerful show. All right, I have a poem called Negative Emotions. I'm going to share it with y'all. I was hard-headed and would not follow, only desired to lead. Was confused and discombobulated and didn't know who or what to believe. I remember when I was broke and desired to speak like Jesus did to the trees, wearing the wrong emotions on my sleeves. But it's my fault, definitely my fault, for not spending enough time on my knees and choosing not to only believe. Been through so much financial pain, it felt like it was hard, I mean impossible to even breathe. It is my fault for siding with old conditioning instead of choosing only to believe. I ask for forgiveness, my Lord, for not spending more time on my knees. When will I finally express my supreme confidence when action and achieve? Why not change my neural pathways intentionally with my habitual thought patterns and finally receive? Everything is right here, right now. What I mean is the money was always here for me to retrieve once I personally believe. I see myself obliterate all those drought days with an abundance of rainy days. And now I'm reigning like a king. I king the dream today. And I have taken my own financial pain away. Since becoming a poet, I'm living wealthy. Now I have my own money trees. All I had to do was make a decision and choose only to believe. Because lives were at stake and trillions were ready and available for me to receive. Negative emotions. I'm going to my next guest. Excuse me. <coughs> Rex S. Sykes is a movie producer, movie director actor, multiple times best-selling author, master trainer of NLP, neuro-logistic programming, transformational thought leader, highly sought-after keynote speaker, business consultant, and expert in accelerating learning. With no further ado, we bring Rex S. Sykes to the stage. Hello and welcome, Rex. Hi. Can you hear me? Are you there, Rex? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Talk to us about the law of vibration. 
the subconscious mind and the law of attraction. I know you like to call it the law of resonance. Talk to us. Give us a master class. Uh, okay, I'm here with my talks. I couldn't tell if my phone was muted or not, and I've been appreciating the other speakers so very much. And uh, I hear some feedback. Do you? Yeah, I'm here. No, do you, I hear feedback. Do you hear feedback? I did a while ago. I don't hear any right now. All right, well, I'm just going to go, uh, but I'm hearing myself repeat back to myself, so it's a little disconcerting. Um, but when it comes to the law of attraction, it's really a misnomer. It is essentially the law of vibration, or what I like to call the law of resonance. And the interesting thing about the, these laws is when you plant a seed in the ground, it grows because of laws. It grows because of nature, and it does the same thing repeatedly whenever you plant a seed. If you plant the seed of corn, you're always going to get a corn plant. You're not going to get roses. You're not going to get uh, uh, green beans. You're going to get corn, and it's going to take a certain amount of time for this seed to uh, germinate underground, invisible to the rest of the world. Then it's going to sprout, and then it ultimately will flower and reproduce itself. And when it reproduces itself, it reproduces countless number of seeds, which then also continue to produce. Now, there is the notion that some seeds will fall on rock, and therefore they will be burned up by the sun. Some will fall in, uh, you know, in less than desirable circumstances, and birds might pick them up. Uh, and then there's those seeds that will be planted in, in fertile soil, and so those will grow. If you think of your mind as fertile soil, then whichever seeds you plant inside your mind are, are bound to grow. If you plant seeds of corn, you'll get corn. If you plant seeds of weeds, you'll get weeds. If you plant seeds of positivity and life-affirming goodness, you'll get that. If you plant seeds of destruction and negativity and, and what was me complaining and blaming and excusing and whining, then you will get more of that. It is automatic. It is habitual. It is, a, it is reliable. So the law of vibration essentially says that we're all energy, and energy is equally distributed throughout the entire universe or throughout whatever there is, because we know there are multiple universes. Uh, past, present, and future is always present. And it works according to the laws of science. So there's the law of cause and effect, for example, that for every cause is an equal and opposite effect. There's a law of, of inertia or motion that says the body at rest will tend to stay at rest unless acted upon by a, a great, a, an equal or greater force or a body in motion will tend to stay in motion unless acted upon by an equal or greater force. There's a law of gravity, you know, which says that what goes up must come down. All of these things are, are, are true and basic as, as to the best of our understanding. They're reliable in the same way that the world is rotating around the sun and every day at a certain time, you know, we see daylight and every day at a certain time we see darkness. Um, it, it, there's, there's nothing about belief in that. There's nothing about, that would change it. We're on a rock hurtling around the uh, galaxy at like 65,000 miles an hour. And no matter what you think about it or believe about it, it's not going to change it. If that is what your reality is. The difference is, is how you respond to that experience. In other words, you may not be able to change what's going on, but you can change how you respond to what's going on. 
And that means that you can either plant the seeds of positivity or the seeds of negativity. You can either have a fabulous, wonderful, incredible life, or you can have one that's not quite so good. The point is that it is always up to you. And when uh, when uh, Lee said earlier, you know, about responsibility and accountability, we are 100% responsible for everything we create in our life, whether we believe it or not. And we are accountable for everything that we create and do in our life, whether we believe it or not. That is just what it is. So what is resonance? Resonance means that if you have two violins, for example, tuned precisely uh, alike, and you pluck the string of one violin, that same string and the other violin will vibrate. It will produce the same sound as the plucked string. They resonate together. They, they resonate in harmony together. They resonate in frequency together. They vibrate at the same time. Why? Because they're attuned to each other. And resonance is a principle that operates throughout the entire universe. So how do you make things happen? Well, you know, the notion is that what you want wants you. That there's a energy that's created. Or anything that could be, would be, or uh, will exist in the future has already existed. For example, when the dawn of humankind uh, arose, this is human consciousness, um, hundreds of thousands of years ago, millions of years ago, arose, the ability to, 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 to get to the moon by rocket ship arose at that very same moment. Now, we didn't need to do it at the time. Our consciousness hadn't evolved high enough to do it at the time, but every material that we needed to get to the moon existed way back when. Plastic hadn't been synthesized yet. Glass hadn't been discovered yet. Metals hadn't been captured or formed yet. But all of the raw materials were there. And it took human consciousness a number of years in order to get to the point where it could create these things. And how did it create it? It sought it. So the very first thing it did was it thought, you know, uh, you know, let's let's create a chair, let's create a spoon, let's create a, a home, a hut, someplace to live, all based on need. So where where we lived in cold climates, we developed heat and or refrigeration in order to preserve food so that we didn't have to ferment everything. Where we lived in hot climates, we, we we developed refrigeration and ways to keep our food so we didn't so that you know we didn't have to dry everything in the sun. And and innovation has always been brought about by a struggle or uh, looking at something and going, how could this be better? You know, if it's uncomfortable, and uh, the human mind goes, well, how can we make it more comfortable? I'm tired of sitting on rocks. Let's fashion something so I can sit on. Uh, and something instead, and so it created a chair or a bench or whatever. It created a wheel, you know. And so, throughout throughout all of time, we have been evolving to the point where, whenever we have a need, consciousness rises to to fulfill it. So, for example, when COVID hit, guess what was already in place? Zoom, the ability to connect with people. Through the internet, the social media was already there in advance, and it has proliferated and gotten better and gotten and we've improved on it because we had a need. Suddenly, we were all locked down. We were in our homes. We were isolated. So, what did we do? We relied on this technology to keep us abreast. We had phones. You know, we had we had the technology prior to um, the the issue. So, the human consciousness always evolves itself. And it is always moving forward. So that said, every time that you move forward, according to the law of cause and effect, you will also get blowback. 
So that means wherever there's good, you will also find that which opposes good. And wherever that which opposes good, you will find good. You know, this is just, these are just laws. So people will say, well, how can it be good and bad in the world, or why is there good and evil? Well, that's just the way it is, just it's the same way with every 24-hour cycle, there's darkness and there's light. The waves go in and the waves come back out in the tides. You know, um, the seasons change. This is just how it is. So what happens, though, is that people get caught up in the problems. Instead of looking at the solutions and at the goodness and at the at the evolutionary potential, when uh, John F. Kennedy said to Werner von Braun, he said, "What will it take to get a man on the moon or a human on the moon?" Werner von Braun said, "The will to do it." He didn't say we need to build a rocket ship that can do this, that, and the other thing. He said it takes the will to do it, the desire to do it, the want to do it, the passion to do it. And then he said the laws of the universe are so very precise that we could land a person on the moon within minutes of our plan because they are so precise and reliable. So if you want a house, if you want a better life, if you want uh, more money, if you want the perfect ideal relationship, what you want to do is understand that already exists in potential for you. And it gets invisible under the ground or it exists in the future for you. It exists somewhere. Because all of energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. It's equally distributed throughout all time and space, you know, through all past and present. So that potential is there in the same way that the potential to reach the moon existed from the dawn of humankind. What do you need to do? You need to resonate with it. You All you do is step into that reality in your mind, in your imagination, and imagine that wish already fulfilled. So if it's a dream house, you have to imagine yourself living in it, what it feels like to sit in a chair, what the rooms feel like, what it feels to walk on the floor, the smell of the house, where things are, where your television set is, where you put your keys when you come at home, where you park your car, how it's landscaped. You visualize it, and you walk through it, and you imagine it, and you feel that it's already there. Who And when you got the house and you closed down it, how did that feel, and who did you tell, and who was around you at that time? And you keep that alive, and you keep that going. And the reason for that is this. My favorite chapter in all of Thinking Growage is the first chapter that introduces you to Edward C. Barnes. And there are countless examples through the book. But Edward C. Barnes, and I'm going to close with, Edward C. Barnes wanted to be a partner with Thomas Alva Edison, and he didn't have the wherewithal to do that. He was he was living somewhere else. It just started as a wish. But as Phil describes it, he said, it became a burning obsession. It became a white-hot passion that uh, it didn't start that way, but it became that way. So that eventually, Barnes jumped on a freight train, dressed as a hobo because he didn't have any money, got to New Jersey where where Edison was, and put him on notice that he was going to be his partner. And Edison describes it as, here's this guy standing in front of me looking like a hobo. Nothing remarkable about him except the look in his eyes. And that is, as I've known... I've learned long, I've lived long enough to know that when somebody looks like that, when they have that look in their eyes, there's something going on inside of them. So I decided to risk it, and I gave him a job as a janitor cleaning up in the warehouse. But here's where the story gets really good. When you turn the page, it says, for five years, Barnes cleaned the warehouse. To all outer circumstances, to all other people, it did not appear that he would ever be a partner to Edison. But in his own mind, he kept the dream alive. He sought and believed and, and lived 
as I was describing in that house. You know, he lived in that home of the dream already fulfilled, where he is and was a partner of Edison. And for five years he did that, and then at one point after five years, with no visible evidence that he would ever be a partner, they needed somebody to sell a dictaphone because the salespeople couldn't do it. And Barney said, I will do that. I can sell this. I will move it. And then the rest became history. He did so well that Edison made him a partner, but he passed away a very rich, retired man in Florida. So the secret to all of this is you travel in advance of the world. You believe in the secret, and I don't mean believe in the same way that he has the religiosity. Just got to tell you, you don't need to believe it. These laws work whether you believe it or not. But you have to believe in the certainty of your conviction. You have to believe in your your passion that you will do what you want to do legally and positively if you desire it. And you can make anything happen. And that's why Josh started with, if you believe you can, you believe you can't, you are absolutely right. And Henry Ford says something else that is equally as powerful. He said, I never let what I cannot do interfere with what I can do. And so instead of worrying about what isn't working, focus on what does work. Focus on the good, focus on the grateful, focus on your joy, focus on your passion, focus on love, focus on positivity, and ignore the rest. And change the world by being an example of that and walking and moving through the world, making your dreams come true for yourself and helping others do the same. Because the more people you help, the more you actually help yourself, and in that way you contribute to yourself. And with that, I am complete. And I know that Lee's going to say, tell you about me. So you can reach me at rexsykes.com. That's my name. It's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. That's my website. What I have is a book called Life on Your Terms. The people are buying it right now. And if you bought it already, or if you haven't bought it, if you go to redsex.com and you click on the book, it'll say learn more. I'm giving away a, a, a $500 training on what I call the mastery loop. And I've been teaching people how to succeed and, and master their habits and master their life and master their thoughts and, and master their success. It's called the mastery loop. We're giving away a $500 training for everyone who's bought the book. On RexLife.com, click that link, and the instructions for how you claim your training will be right there. You get the book from Amazon, but you get the, the training from me uh, absolutely free when you purchase the book. So with that, I'm Rex Sykes. I am complete, and uh, I will see you here, there, or anywhere, but make your dreams come true. If you consider everything a blessing, then everything is a blessing. And as I always tell everybody, celebrate everything. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Rex. Uh Rex has been teaching as long as I've been living, over 40 years. I got my book Friday, Rex. I'm looking forward to that program. Yeah, go get your training. Get your training. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I'm happy to hear you got the book, and uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you on this uh, momentous day and Memorial Day and with uh, such amazing guests. Thank you kindly. Thank you, Rex. Enjoy the rest of your day. And you too. I'll be listening. Yes, sir. We're live on my spinoff show, The Sophomore Project, The Experience, Volume 11, which was launched in October 2020. The title of today's show is The Law of Vibration, The Subconscious Mind, and The Law of Attraction. I'm going to my next guest. He is my mentor. He coached me, uh, I think, for a year and a half. I mean, he's an incredible guy. His name is Jaren Keto Banks. He is a transformational coach technology consultant, entrepreneur, prolific storyteller, dream traveler. Jaron Keto Banks believes that dreams can and will come true by applying the correct knowledge, personal commitment, and unique abilities. 
John Quito Banks helps you design a life where you are earning money doing what you enjoy and creating a lifestyle you love. With no further ado, we bring the great John Quito Banks to the stage. Thank you, Dwight. I appreciate you inviting me on with these other great guests. And um, I'll get right to it. Um, you know, the law of vibration, the subconscious mind, uh, I'm going to go into a story because I think that's, you know, I look at life and a lot of the the things that are being discussed today, you will hear many things repeated today. But I always like to give an example of the truth is like a tree. And you'll hear different people give different viewpoints and sides of that tree. So if you're standing in front of a tree, you don't see all sides. And so I'm going to bring a different side to this, and I'm going to actually share a personal story and do one of the things I love, and that's telling stories. So, and connect all the other great guests here. So my brother Josh B. Payne earlier talked about a synchronistic experience he had that happened to me as well in high school. So I was uh, I played college basketball. I was with an all-state team, uh, ranked number one in the state. Uh, I had scholarships lined up, and I had a back injury my senior year. Now, the amazing part about this, I learned as many years later, is that going into that game where I had that back injury, where I had I suffered that injury, I remembered that I was thinking about my family's condition, issues with my father and my mother had gotten divorced. I was upset. I was like blaming life. I was upset about being so-called poor, not having enough money, and I brought that with me into the game. Now, that's an example of vibration. Now, we're going to go deeper. I end up fracturing a disc in my lower back. I got undercut on a dunk, and I got I fractured a disc in my lower back. Now, to move forward, I had committed to Rice University in a Houston area. At the end of my senior year, they pulled the scholarship and said they weren't going to offer me the scholarship because I'd had an injury and they had another guy who had the same stats as me. They'd been watching. He didn't have the injury. So after that call with one of the coaches, I was angry. I was upset. I felt like my college dreams were over. I wasn't going to play basketball. Okay, I'm just going to focus on school. Fast forward again. I had registered to another university in the Houston area. I was going to go there on an academic scholarship. I really wasn't thinking about basketball. But earlier that week, I was resting after uh, doing some work. I had a summer job doing some work. And I had this vision while I was laying down of it's like this strong desire just came up. And it was like, man, you, you know, you really want to play basketball. How can you play basketball? And I just saw myself playing basketball and it was, it was almost like I was in a meditative prayer, right? I was just like, I want to play basketball. I want to play basketball. I want to go to a school. I want to play in college. The next day, a coach calls me from a junior college in Texas. And says, hey, two of your teammates from high school are coming here, and I've heard a lot about you from other players who are here as well. We have 14 guys from the Houston area. Would you like to come up for a visit? 
called my mom. We went up for a visit. Long story short, I ended up going to that university or junior college, coming on with a partial scholarship, not expected to start. By the, by the first game of the season, I was a starting player. That year, we ended up breaking the NCAA record for most points scored in a game in Division I history. We beat, it, we beat a team 176 to 82. Now, I'm going to keep going with this story because I'm going to show you the ups and downs of this. And after I go through this, this is going to show you how this vibration thing works. So my sophomore year, that summer before, I work out all summer. I meet a couple of mentors. I ended up going to the, to the gym and playing with pro guys in Houston area. I got a chance to play with Penny Hardaway, Akeem Olajuwon, Robert Ori. I met all these guys. I got a chance to train with uh, Coach John Lucas, a couple of different people. So I had big visions. I had schools calling me. I had the grades. The only reason I went to junior college was because of the injury. So I had big schools looking at me and saying, hey, we just want to check you out for a few more games, your sophomore season, and then we may pull a red shirt and actually get you to transfer and come in to a bigger D1, right? So first game of the season shows up. That whole summer I trained. I didn't hang out with any of my regular friends. It was all basketball. I was in the best shape of my life. I was playing the best I could. I come into the gym. My coach pulls me aside and says, hey, Jaron, I need to talk to you real quick. He says, you know, your attitude's a lot better than one of the other guys on the team. I think if I tell him that he's not going to start, he's going to have a problem. He goes, I know you're going to handle it better. He goes, I would, I'd like for you to come off the bench. Now, I'd never come off the bench in my life, <laughs> right? And when he said that to me, I just wasn't mature enough to handle it, right? I wasn't ready to handle what he gave to me. And, I mean, literally, it, it, it felt like my life just sunk, like everything that I worked just got pulled out of me. Now, keep in mind, all he said was is that you're just going to have to come off the bench. It wasn't like I got kicked off the team or I wasn't going to play anymore. So I went into that game, that first game of the season. I came off the bench. He, coach pulled me in quickly after the other guy wasn't producing. I went in, and I had an injury. I ended up getting tripped from behind. I uh, fell into a wall behind the, uh, the goal. I ended up tearing two ligaments in my thumb, and I had a head injury where I had a small concussion. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I was saying about how I felt before that happened. Now, I come back six weeks later, first game back. I'm not feeling too good about coming back. I'm not feeling too strong, but that's what I was thinking before I went into the game. I'm like, man, my legs don't feel really strong. You know, I don't feel really in shape. I hope I'm ready. I was kind of like teeter-tottering. So I go into that game. After two minutes into the game, I end up getting fouled and, and pulled in an awkward way and coming down on my ankle. Long story short, I go to the hospital that night with my coach. The coach uh, and, and me are sitting there. The doctor comes in and tells me that I've broken my leg right above the ankle. And he looks at me and says, you will never play basketball again, much less walk again if you're lucky. Now, in that moment, 
I felt like my life was over. I started crying. I, I was 18 years old. My family wasn't there. I called, you know, my mother and sister. They came up. They were going to come the next day. They said, you're going into surgery the next day. That night, it, it was the lowest point that I've ever felt in my life. I, I, I got to that rock bottom place. And later in that night, a nurse came in and put her hand on my chest and woke me up and changed out my IV. And when I looked into her eyes, I saw this, this light sparkle. And it was like the light pulled me in and I went in, I, I got pulled in like a tractor beam going into like a sci-fi movie, like in spaceship. And next thing you know, I'm in the gym sitting in the stands and I see this guy on the court dribbling the basketball and doing all these fancy moves and he's faster than everyone else and he's having a blast. And I look closer at the person and the guy stops dribbling the ball and he looks up at me and he points his finger and I realize that person on the court is me. And he starts smiling and he starts pointing at me and right then this energy comes into my, my body, this breath into my chest, into my heart. It's like I just, like I got pumped with this energy. I wake up in the hospital room and I look oh. around and I'm, and I stand up and no one's there. So I just, I say, okay, well, I know what I'm going to do now. I'm coming back to play basketball. Who cares what that doctor said? So the next day, the doctors come in, the nurses come in, my mom and sister are there. They're like, hey, we're getting you ready for surgery. And they look at me. Now, here's another lesson about vibration. They look at me and they say, oh, wow. Man, your mood's a lot different. Oh, they all start smiling. They're, like Their body language changes. And then I said, yeah. I said, man, that nurse that came in last night, she really helped me. And the doctors and the nurses all look at each other, and they're like, uh, there was no one who came in last night. I was like, yeah, she came in last night. She's prepping me for today. And they were like, no, we're prepping you now. They were like, no, no one came into your room last night. So later on, I realized what that is, and we can go into deeper conversations about that on a different show. But in that moment, no, it's I, shifted, like, I didn't even know I was, I didn't even realize I shifted my vibration. And I ended up coming back and playing basketball for two more years and still living out my dream, even though the doctor, the expert, the person who did the surgery told me I wouldn't ever play again. So what I want to show back in that story, and I want to keep it short because I know I want to, sh I want to be able to give, give the time back to Dwight and the other uh, great uh, brothers who are here on the call, is you can see in each of those instances where even where I had the injuries, I was able later in my life to go back. Now, I call this taking responsibility. You hear the term, with great power comes great responsibility, where you can switch it. With great responsibility comes great power. So I was able to get my power back when I went back and looked at those situations and realized, oh, wow, I actually had something to do even with the injuries. And so, and I also knew I had something to do with my recovery 
and my opportunities. So when you put those all together, now you come to a point to say, okay, I'm able to control or contribute to my life by how I'm vibrating. Now, many people will say, well, how do I know what vibration I'm in? How you're feeling is a way to tell what vibration you're in. How you got to that vibration backtracks to what my brother Calvin, my brother Josh, my brother Rex all said, the thoughts that you're holding. So to me, the vibration is your feeling state. It's how you feel. So if you feel happy, something, some thoughts you're holding has you there. It could be unconscious or conscious. If you're feeling sad, angry, uh, guilty, shameful, some thought has gotten you to that place. So as you can see in the story that I told, I was able to make changes in my life by being able to put myself in different vibrations. And in some situations, I had assistance from, you know, we could say on high or my higher self or God or the universe or consciousness, right? And then this can also come from mentors, from coaches, as the gentlemen that are on this call, from hearing inspiring talks like this could change your vibration by repeating affirmations, uh, positive thoughts, decrees, declarations can change your vibration by doing exercise, workouts, yoga. The science of yoga is all about changing your vibration. Go do the research. By essential oils, good smells, good food, getting the proper rest, putting yourself around people who are in a positive vibration. Earlier, one of the gentlemen talked about hooking yourself up to people who are doing the things that you choose to do. That will change your vibration. So I like to tell stories, but I also like to give examples of where the rubber meets the road of the things that you can actually do. So we can talk about the vibration, but what, what, how do you change it? What do you do? And those are some of the examples that I gave. So um, I'm going to pass this back to my brother, Dwight Lee. You can reach me best way is by email. And that's Jaron, J-A-R-O-N, at dreampoweracademy.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, Jaron Keto Banks. Feel free to send me an email. Reach out, me, reach out to me directly. Um, I love hearing from people personally. Any situation that you're in, I can help you, talk to you. And if I'm not the person to help you, I can definitely lead you to someone else who can. Thank you, and I'm grateful for being invited to be on this call with all my brothers. And my brother Dwight Lee, thank you for creating this show and producing an opportunity for us to share our visions, dreams, and lives and being able to send this out uh, to our world. Live your dream, love your dream, and remember your dream. Thank you. Hey, make sure to stay on. We're going to keep this conversation going. Before I go to my next guest, man, I got to put a poem in here to get y'all ready for this dude. This dude is the real McCoy, the real Holyfield. I mean, the truth, he's going to bring it. So this poem is called, I love it when you call me intelligent. 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 I trust my hard work I am put in. I create a legacy sort of like Dr. King and Bruce Lee, and my art will always remain relevant. I love it when you call me intelligent. 
I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. It's not about the past or future, but most recent. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. And I'm seeing my ideas being birthed like babies, babies. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent with great focus, drive, intense concentration. I am immense, super casual, fragilist, and expialidocious on Jehovah God. I am heaven sent. And I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. And I'm seeing my ideas being birthed like babies, babies. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. And I'm seeing my ideas being birthed like babies, babies. I love it when you call me intelligent. 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 I trust my hard work I am put in. I created a legacy like Wayman Tisdale, Dion, Pac, and MJ, and my high-quality art will always remain relevant. I'm consistent, insistent, and persistent. As a matter of fact, like an angelical host, I boldly proclaim I am heaven-sent. And I really, really love it when you call me infinite intelligence. With no further ado, I'm going to my next guest, Lance Brooks. He's a spiritual mystic, intuitive teacher of consciousness. Consciousness is everything. In short... The I am and lands transform lives for people to live better. He is a teacher and steward of the hidden ancient secrets and treasures of the Bible and the mysteries of God. It's not religion. It is instructions. With no further ado, we bring Lance Brooks to the stage. Hey, thank you, Dwight. Thank you. Man, we, we've been up uh, early this morning, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, man, no sleep. It was on uh, Clubhouse. We're we not sleeping at all, right? <laughs> but um, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be on this platform with um, all these intelligent and wonderful beings. I've just been taking notes and, you know, taking it all in, never taking the moment for granted. You know, sometimes we look back and go, we should have, could have, would have. I don't do that. I put in the paper and absorb the moment and emerge myself in it, learning. You can always grow. You never hit a state of perfection, but you can always better your best. That's the beauty of it. You can always level it up because we're infinite beings in a body. So, yeah, um, what I do with my clients, um, my name is Lance Brooks, and um, what I do with my clients is I take that Bible and I show them what it really was designed for. It was designed to tell us us, to tell us who we truly are in more of a symbolic uh, point of view. Now, we had spoke about the law of um, attraction, the law of vibration, all of this consciousness is everything, the mind, the mind. I always tell people, the mind of man is the mouth of God. When you start speaking to yourself, you're creating it. You're creating it. It's only a matter of time. So I wanted to share some few things with you, and uh, and um, as the gentleman had most mentioned before, uh, Mr. Banks, that he had, you know, went into a story. So um, I'm going to go into a few stories um, of my clients or, or myself, uh, if you guys don't mind. Now, um, uh, this is scripture that a lot of people get wrong because they hate this side. Of, you know, they get angry. You know, this part in John 18, chapter 8, verse, 
when Jesus is in the garden. He's in this garden, right? The garden of Gethsemane, right? He's in, inside the garden of Gethsemane, and all this stuff is happening to him, and everyone goes, yeah, 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 I know the story. But just indulge me a little bit and lean in a little closer in the 18th chapter. It's when the people came to arrest him. When Judas had did what he did, and uh, the people came to arrest him, if we really understand who Judas is, Judas is really a discipline that all of us need. Judas is a discipline of the mind. In fact, all 12 disciples are discipline of the mind. The different type of discipline. Judas is one of the disciplines that all of us have to embody in order to level up, in order to be that person that we're desiring to be. Now, the word desire in the Latin means of father. Desire means of the father. So it's something of the father, especially when it's noble, you know where it's coming from. That's when you're being about your father's being. You're going after that noble desire, right? So <clears throat> Judas, now what is this discipline Judas is when I've been taught to hate him, right? Judas is the discipline of the mind, is the betrayer. He's the betrayer of the mind. If you are broke, you have to portray that reality, that physical reality, with another thought. Another thought, a betrayer that goes and turn on the thought of being broke and asking yourself, what does it feel like? What would it look like? Because we already talked about feeling, right? So what would it feel like? Basically, you're asking, what is the channel? What is the vibration that I need to tap into to get into this place of abundance, to get inside of it? So are you not portraying the one that? Not abundant, that version of you that don't have it, that version of you is at that job that is hate. You want a job that you enjoy or have start your own business, something that you enjoy what you're doing and making money, right? So you have to betray that. How do you betray it? You have to turn on it. You have to go in the opposite direction. That's what Judas really represents. He's the betrayer of the mind. Now, if you read about Judas carefully, he betrays Jesus. Now, Jesus is the thing that saves you, right? Judas wasn't that. Judas had to betray. He, he's the betrayer inside of us that betrays ourselves so we can become a better version of ourselves. We turn on it. We have to let that go. Judas ended up hanging himself. He committed suicide. It don't mean for you to literally commit suicide. It means for you to kill off the old person that you are now. You have to kill it off. You start thinking different. You start being around a different crowd, doing a different circle, talking a different way. You start portraying that old you that used to have that stinking thinking or had the I don't know, that doubting mentality, you know, that the sheepish mentality, I, I, I don't know. You know, you turn on it. You betray it. Now, Judas betrayed it, right? Then what also he did, he ended up committing suicide. So he killed off the old, you kill off the old you. Um, then look at it carefully. He was found, and this is kind of gory, but Let's go there. He was found with his guts open. Once you betray yourself and you become that new, better version of yourself, what do you do? You go and spill your guts. You tell everybody how you did it, how it came, how it came to pass. Like all these wonderful gentlemen on here start telling you, this is how I did it. This is what happened. This is my story. But I betrayed the old me to become the new me. Now I'm telling you about it. You Feel your guts. His guts, but he was found with his guts wide open. He was filling his guts, telling people how he became the new version of himself. And now, sometimes when people look at you, they go, "I can't believe that you used to be 
financially bankrupt. I can't believe that you went through that in your life. I can't believe you did because that person had died. You killed them. That's the Judas inside of you. That's the discipline inside of you. So now we're looking at Judas in a new way. Now let's go back into the garden, right? Now the garden in the Bible is telling us about the mind. The garden is the mind of, of the Bible. It's the mind. It's telling you about the brain. Because what do a garden do? A garden is something that you plant on purpose and you pull on purpose. You pull out the weeds. Even when you're in school, when you first started school, you didn't start in like first grade. You started in kinder what? Garden. That's that garden again. You started in a kinder garden. Why? Because they had to plant things on purpose in you and pull things on purpose in you. Keep your hands to yourself. Raise your hand when you want to be recognized instead of a lot of kids just yelling out stuff, right? So you start being orderly and raising your hands so you can be a good little citizen, right? You know, um, so you started learning things. So there was planning on purpose and there was pulling on purpose so you kept your hands to yourself, that you just didn't speak out over a person. You took you waited your turn. That's planning and, you know, and pulling on purpose. That's a garden. That's what you do. And you're always tilling the garden. You're always grooming it, mining it, and making sure that you, you don't let anything get in it, right? That's the garden. So let's go to through the Garden of Gethsemane. In the mind, this will all happen. It was giving us, giving us a story, a symbolic story in the mind. The, this, the, the, the betrayal happened in that garden, right? It, it was a betrayal that happened. Then these, then these people came to uh, get him. Now, on the 18th chapter, the 8th verse, they said, Jesus said this, I told you I am he. Because what they said is, uh, we're looking for Jesus. We're looking for Jesus. Now, what do Jesus represent? He represented the thing that would save you. If you were sick and nearly dead, what would save you? Having a healthy lifestyle, having a healthy life. Well, that's the thing inside of you that would save you. That's the Christ in you, the hope of God. That's the Christ in you that would save you is a good, healthy, balanced life. Okay? So now Jesus said, I am he. I'm the one that you're looking for, right? And then they said, no, we're looking for Jesus. Are you Jesus? Jesus said it again. He said, he answered them. He said, I told you, I am he. Now, listen carefully. You're going to see what this has to do with you. I am he. He said, if you are looking for me, then let these men go. Hmm. Now, he was with some other people, right? And he said, if you're looking for me, take me and let them go. Now, we know that Jesus got arrested. Now, this is going to sound kind of screwy because it goes against our diet, goes, goes against what we've, we've been taught. Now, you're going to have to arrest the Christ in you when you want to level up. You're going to have to arrest it. Now, the question is, what? Why I got to arrest him, and how do I do it? First, you got to arrest the thing that really saved you. Like I said, for example, if you were sick and hurting real bad, what would, what would the Christ be? Eating better, you know, exercising. Getting that body healthy, pulling out the healthy state of consciousness inside of you. We're going to touch on that in a second. That healthy state of consciousness that inside of you that will reflect, as the gentleman said earlier, about how your thoughts, how it reflects um, Coach uh, Kelvin. He said that, right? And all the other gentlemen said it in different ways, okay? So you're pulling the thing out inside of you that will save you from this particular incident, right? It's health. It's feeling healthy. What would it feel like to be healthy? Now, you arrest that. You feel your way into it. That's the Christ in you that will save you from that particular thing. You feel it inside of you. Now, he said, now, if you're looking for me, 
the very thing that will save you. That's what Christ means, save you. The very thing that will save you, then he said, let these men go. Now, who are these men? These men are literally the other thoughts inside of you saying, but what if this don't work out? I don't know. What is that? Oh, yeah, and I got to pay the rent. You know, I got to, you know, and then I, yeah, I got to make sure my mortgage. But all these other thoughts that get in the way, you let them go. You found the very thing that would save you. Let everything go. But what about my credit score? But what about, you know, I don't have the money. You know, you know these doctors are expenses. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's so expensive to buy, you know, stuff that is organic and blah, blah, blah. You let the thoughts go. I can't afford a trainer. And all, all this stuff started talking to you. What you can't do and how limited you are. You let them go. He said, now that you have found me, let these men go. Who else was arrested there? No one else. They took him and drug him out. We take the Christ inside of us that would save us, and we let every other thought go. And then we drag that out into a physical form by believing that it is so now. That's what that, that's the art of praying. It says that in Mark 11. You know, when you pray, you got to believe that you have received it, and then you have it. It's the feeling of believing that you have it now, not next week, not fixing to, not when I get my paycheck. It's now. Everything operates in the now. Every gentleman on here will tell you the only thing you got is now. Two years from now, will be you will be in that now. You stay in the now. So that's the Christ in you. Now, I have now going to the story of a client. I have a client, right? Her name is Janessa. She lives in um, Massachusetts, and um, she always wanted to have a B&B in Maine. She loved Maine. At the tip of Maine, she always said, I want that. I always wanted that. I wanted that. She called it her little inn at the tip of Maine. But in the beginning of 2020, before all the COVID happened and all of that, she lost her husband. She lost her husband. Give you a little background of Janessa. Janessa lived a privileged life. She said she lived a life of privilege. Her folks had it, had it really, it was loaded, right? And Janessa got on drugs. She got on drugs real bad. That her folks disowned her and stuff like that. She got on drugs. She got on drugs real bad. And she had to reestablish her relationship with her family. She was strung out on heroin and everything. And her and her husband, they end up meeting each other. They were both junkies. She lost. Two, she saw lost both of her daughters. She had two daughters. Lost both of them. She lost custody of both. She spent 14 years battling back, being clean for 14 years. Got her life back. Got her daughter back. Her and her husband together. They got off of drugs. 14 years clean, right? They let that part of them go. Now, put a pin in that. We're going to go back to it. Jesus said, as in my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it wasn't, I wouldn't have told you. So where is the Father's house? Your body. You are in the Father's house. It's the body. Oh, what are these mansions inside of me? There are infinite states of consciousness, infinite states of mind. You have the beggar in you. You have the rich person inside of you. You have the complaining part of you inside of you. And you have the part that have don't do no complaining. You have the part of you would not take any crap from no one, and you have the part of you would just let it all go. You have every single state of conscience inside of you. They're infinite states, right? 
she had she pulled out the state of consciousness of being drug free, her and her husband. But a state always stays there. That's what we do on this planet. We travel through states of consciousness. We we travel through through states. We can't get rid of a state. We can move through a state and go into another state. But we can't get rid of a state. It's still there. You can still go back to being poor. You can still go back to being, you know, mean or ornery. You can still go back to being a no good husband or a no good wife. It's still there. It's the consciousness. You can't get rid of it. It's like driving. I live in Atlanta. It's like me driving to Texas. I got to go through Alabama. You know, I got to go through Louisiana. But I don't have to. I can stay and park in Alabama the rest of my life. Alabama don't mind. Or I can continue moving through Alabama. That's how a state is. A state don't care. You can stay in a state of poverty the rest of your life. It don't mind. Or you can move through it. It don't mind. It's just there, right? Just like these states that we travel through to get to where we're going. It's there. You can stay there the rest of your life or you can travel through it. Now, she traveled through it, her and her husband. But what happened one day from bringing home groceries with her two daughters, she was looking for the husband, called her husband, and she saw the light down in the basement. She went down in the basement. To her surprise, she saw her husband sitting in his little chair with the television on, sports center, and he had a needle stuck in his arm. He had relapsed again, and he had overdosed, and he had died with a needle stuck in his arm right there. After 14 years of being clean, battling their life back, getting her college degree, all of this stuff, she lost the love of her life at the beginning of 2020. And then... Bam, COVID hit. She had to bury the love of her life. They battled through all. And then after she buried, COVID hit. Now her job is uncertainty. Luckily, she was able to work from home. But at first, she thought she was going to get cut. And then all of this stuff happened to her. And she, her dream just seemed so far away. And she said something about her. said, just invest in it. Just, just try it. Just try it. So she invested in my coaching, right? And what happened is that I start telling her, going to get that state of consciousness, I was telling her, to, you already have it. You already have it. What does it feel like? We already have it. Doing different techniques, and for the respect of time, I won't go into all of that, but doing different techniques to have her to feel that it believe is true and get rid of the state of consciousness that is all a long lost thing now because it was her and her husband dream. Now she started, and then she said, Lance, I don't have the money. It took so much to bury my husband, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, and then my credit is no good and stuff. I said, a state is not asking you. It don't cost you nothing to feel your way through it. Fast forward later, by the end of 2020, she had closed on her um, B&B, and she don't know how it happened. I said, how is none of your business when you walk in the state that you already have it? You're not trying to get nothing. You can't even try. Ask Yoda. You try, you can't try. You do or you don't do. You can't try to stand up and you can't try. You're going to either stand up or stay sitting down or you're going to start bouncing in between, but you cannot try. It is no try. Try is an illusion that keeps you in pause, keeps you sitting there spinning your wheels, right? So she ended up closing on a place with bad credit, no money down, a beautiful B&B, and then being able to get it fully furnished, and she ended the year with it, celebrating, and started and got her first rental the first week of 2021. Now she have over, done had over 25 rentals 
fun. I reached out today just to make sure I can use this story, you know, and um, over 25 rentals so far. And now we're hitting the height of the summer coming. So she's really about to snowball. She's got a lot coming down the pipeline. She is at a point that she's looking at leaving her job because it's costing her money to be stuck with that while she's doing what she loves. It's a beautiful thing. That's walking in a state of mind. She arrested that consciousness. She arrested that Christ in her that would save her. This is my dream. She arrested it, and she brought it out, and she brought it out, and she killed off the old her. She used the state of consciousness, the discipline of Judas, to kill off the old mindset, to betray that victimhood that she felt like life had handed her a pole bag is just no good. You know, it's just wrong. Why God do this to me and my children? Now they're enjoying it, and now her daughter just started college, and she has started her own entrepreneurial thing, selling T-shirts and sweaters, and having a thing with children that are, that their parents have died from drug overdose and things like that. Her daughter has been inspired by her, and she said that I cannot believe that this time last year, I was on my knees crying and blaming everything, and now I'm having the time of my life with my children. That's what happens when you walk in these states. That's what this book is telling you. The story of Esau and Jacob, Jacob is a supplanter. He just steps out in front. Esau, both of them are warring, but they're inside of us. They're, they're warring inside of us, telling us to... Um, telling us to, which one you want to let out? You want to do it the physical way? You work, 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 work? Or do you want to go into your conscious mind and allow it to go downstream, having least resistance? Yeah, you're going to have to do some physical part, but it's less resistance, like 20%. And 80% is, 80, 80% is psychology. 20% is physiology. It's less work to do it the Esau way, right? So what Jacob, only thing he did, only thing you have to do is take Esau off the hunt. By closing your eyes and feeling your weight inside of it. Remember that dad, Isaac said, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. The feeling got the blessing. The birthright was the right to give birth into a physical form, the right to bring that state of mind outside of you. And you do it by believing that it's true now. My name is Lance. I'm done speaking. Um, how you can reach out to me is um, the best way is you can email me at uh, lance at lancebooks.com or you can um, follow me or you can message me on um, IG, on Instagram at I am Lance Brooks or you can reach out to me um, on Facebook at I am Lance Brooks. Um, and I hand the mic back over to Dwight. Thank you, Dwight. Man, this is amazing. Who is everybody still on? Yes. Yes, sir. Josh is here. Rex is here. Jaren's here. Coach Calvin's here. Yes. Hey, Josh, you want to take another uh, step up the bat? Josh may not be here. Rex? Yes, sir. Hey, you want to take another bat at it? Uh, What would you like me to uh, address? Uh, you can go into thoughts. I mean, dive deeper. Uh, this is uh, the sophomore project, the experience, where we dig into spiritual phenomena, mental phenomena, physical phenomena, financial phenomena, and material phenomena. <laughs> Sounds good. 
so good. Well, you know, it's been said that thoughts are things. And, and why is that? Because as uh, each of the guests here today have alluded to, is, and, and as I have alluded to, is that anything that exists in, in the human realm first originated as an idea inside the mind of a human being, whether that was you know, traveling to the moon or developing a spoon or creating a chair or becoming a, a, a world-class athlete. You know, it begins with a thought. And that thought is then translated into physical reality. So how does that happen? It happens by keeping that thought alive. And typically what people do, if you think about it, is that an architect, for example, when the architect is is commissioned or desires to build a home, they imagine it in their mind, they visualize it, and then they put it down on paper. You know, they call a draftsman or a person, or they do it themselves, and they, they... plot it out, and they plot out the large rooms down to where the electrical outlets are, where the plumbing is and where the wiring goes, and they, they make a very detailed uh, map or plan for how this building will be realized. You know, civic engineers do the same thing when planning uh, property developments or freeways that intersects or cut through, uh, you know, a valley or somewhere, you know, across your country, um, and building communities and developing sky rises it's planned down to the this tiniest detail and then they assemble their resources and their team and their finances and they translate that plan into a construction project and they work on that construction project until it's done they do the exterior you know the foundation the exterior then they do the interior then they bring in interior director decorators and they make it until it's a a completed and finished project. And it first began as a thought. It, it began in the same way that, you know, I forget who it was. The painter said, it might have been like Van Gogh, somebody, but they said, you know, I, I first I painted in my mind and then I painted on the canvas. Um, I'm fond of saying, you know, that the journey of a thousand steps that everyone talks about beginning with a single step, the first step is the step that says, I'm going to take a journey. It's the first step is taken in your mind, and the second step is taken on the planet. You know, this is why it said we create things twice, inside our heads and outside on paper or outside in, in reality. So understand that if you want your wish to become reality, it's not enough to wish for it. It's not enough to hope for it or want it. It's not enough to desire it. That desire needs to become so strong that you actually take some form of action to make it happen. I don't like the law of attraction uh, as a title for it because what it applies is that somebody can just sit in their room and go, okay, I'm a magnet for money and that, that somehow money is going to come to them. I don't disagree that that could happen. You know, the universe, as I said, yeah, everything is possible. You know, we got to the moon through the will to get to the moon. But the, but the, but the point is, is that people mistake that for the act of creation and if you want your dream to come true you actually create it you make it happen you decide to do it you are responsible for it in the same way that if you want to make your dinner tonight you know and eat something you have to prepare it you first you probably have to shop for it and then you have to think about what it is that you want to put together then you have to follow your recipe and then you have to put it in the oven or the microwave or however you put it and then you have to serve it then you have to eat it it doesn't you just don't sit there and dream I am fulfilled by my food. 
you know, it, there's a process by which these things happen. There, there's a physical, the laws of the universe that, that makes things happen. But that said, the first key is managing your thoughts. Because if you don't, as Jack pointed out, the famous Henry Ford quote, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're absolutely correct. If you don't think you can, if you don't think it's possible, if you don't think it could happen for you, but it could only happen for other people, then it's not likely that you're going to bother to do it until you have a change of thought, until you re-decide inside yourself that it is possible for you, that it could happen, and that if it's going to be, it's going to be up to you to make it true. Or as the saying is, if it's going to be, it's up to be. So you can create anything within the, and Napoleon Hill said you can create anything within the laws of the physical universe within reason. And when I first read that as a child, I was disappointed because I'm like, well, yeah, of course, within reason. I mean, then, but, but what he's saying is the Wright brothers helped people to fly, but we didn't grow wings. We used a mechanical, a mechanical uh, instrument, you know, a vehicle to do that. Now, one thing I want to point out, and I love talking about the Wright brothers. The Wright brothers, because we had developed uh, lighter-than-air travel, you know, through helium and hydrogen, things like that. But we didn't have a heavier-than-air vehicle that worked. And people were running and jumping off cliffs and flapping wings and driving things off the cliffs and trying to glide and fly. You know, and, and many people either were injured or hurt or, or killed. So I always say, if you're going to try to fly without a vehicle, or even with a vehicle, don't go to the top of the building and launch it. Stand on the curb and learn how to take off. In other words, if you can, if you can fly, you should be able to fly from the ground, as the Wright brothers did. That's the way normal airplanes take off, you know, for the past hundred years. They don't, they don't start in the sky. They start on the ground. And then they use the principle of lift. They actually take off into the wind. And they get enough speed and they have, you know, rotators on their wings to, that, so that the wind goes over there and actually lifts the plane into the air. They're using the air, which circumvents the pull of gravity. Gravity doesn't stop working. If the plane engine stops and while they're in flight, obviously the plane is going to come down. So gravity is always working, but they've learned to circumvent gravity. Well, back when the Wright brothers were doing this, they didn't know how to fly. Nobody had flown this way before. So they were experimenting. Everything they did was trial and error. And every error, you somebody would say they would fail. You know, they didn't do it. They didn't make it happen. It was it was a mistake. It didn't work. But for them, it was feedback. It meant that instead of giving up and quitting because they didn't do it, they would make adjustments to figure out what would work. And they didn't know how to fly because no one had flown before until after they flew. And this is a point I don't want people to be lost on, people. You never know how to do it until after you do it. Then you can go back and connect the dots. The Wright brothers could go, now that we've flown, we know what we did to have that 12-second flight happen, and now we can we can do it again. We can recreate it again. And in doing so, we now fly around the world. We have you know jets that go at high speed. We've got rockets that go to the outer edges of our solar system, all because somebody had the will and the idea to do it, and then worked at it and persisted at it and didn't let failure exist as an option, but continued to adjust and correct and adjust and correct and adjust and correct until they got it working. And from that point out, it's been, it's been innovated or fixed or developed or enhanced ever since. 
But don't let this also be lost on you, and that is that the Wright brothers' own father said, you guys are idiots. There are many things you're morons. He gives this up. This is stupid. You know, if man were meant to fly, if humans were meant to fly, God would have given wings. This is dumb. You know, you're, you're making us a laughing stock. Yeah, after all, they were just bicycle guys. You know, they, they had a bike shop. And they decided, well, we're going to create an airplane, and we're going to fly. But the rest is history. And why? Because what started as an idea, they planned, they gathered their resources, they gathered their team, they gathered their finances, and they kept at it until they did it. And then they improved on it. And, and, and we benefit because they did that. And we benefit because of people like Steve Jobs, who created the phone, the iPhone, Edison, who who has a number of patents, whether they're all legitimately his or not, is always an area of debate. But, you know, we have um, Tesla, Marconi, um, the, 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 not Napoleon Hill, but Hill, who, who, who created the Transcontinental Railroad in this country, connecting it from the East Coast to the West Coast. You know, the pioneers who came to the United States or anywhere in the world and decided, you know, we're going to move from here to there, and they, they did show this great hardship. I love the pioneer story in the United States because they landed on the East Coast at one point and decided they wanted to get to the West Coast, and they had to go. They had to figure out what to do with the Grand Canyon. What do you do when you, you know, you get something that you can't even see? You know, as far as the eye can see, it's a big hole. <laughs> but they didn't let them stop them. And they and what took months and years to do back then, now we do in a matter of hours through air flight. You know, and it, it, it started by foot and by wagon train, by train and auto, and and then air air. So we we constantly innovate, we constantly improve, we constantly move forward, we constantly increase and expand when we realize that we can, and that if you want to, if the, that is the, the nature of the universe is life affirming. It's expansion. That said, you can talk about entropy and how things are also falling apart because with every cause, there's also an equal and opposite effect. And I mentioned this earlier, and with you know, with inertia, you have to overcome it one way or the other. But but the point is, is that we are constantly uh, moving forward, and and the world is constantly giving birth to plants and grass and oxygen and stuff for our, for our benefit. So. For you and I, the key is just to, to work with your thoughts, learn to manage your thoughts, learn to manage your feelings, because they're intricately tied together. And if you don't feel like it, you're not going to do it. If you don't believe you can, you're not going to do it. So you have to work on your mindset, you have to work on your feelings. So when you do, that becomes an, an, an inseparable, powerful combination to help you manifest what you want to manifest instead of all the crap that most people manifest. You're doing the very same thing. Uh, inadvertently, by focusing on problems and fears and anxieties and, and worst-case scenarios and all that kind of stuff, they're attracting and manifesting and creating more of the same. They're perpetuating it because they haven't taken control of it. And Napoleon Hill said, if you don't take control of your life, you're like a, a cork bobbing in the water. You're drifting. So if you're going to be in the water, like in a sailboat, you have to set your sail and realize that when you set your sail, the only way a sail works is if the wind is blowing and the wind has to blow which means there's always going to be some force also there, which which the sail catches that wind and works with it. The kite rises against the wind. The plane takes off into the wind. Without some form of resistance, your muscles don't grow. You know, the people who go up in space and spend months and months and months, you know, in a space station come back, and the effects of gravity are overwhelming because 
but while they're up there in space, their muscles are actually atrophying because they don't have gravity, they don't have any resistance to keep their muscles growing. So they come back and then they have to reacquaint themselves and adjust for, for what happens when they return to the Earth. So understand that the biggest problem that most people have in the world is they think they shouldn't have problems. Problems are where our solutions come from. You don't focus on the problem, you focus on the solution. You don't focus on what's wrong, you focus on what you can do this way. The, the, the Wright brothers didn't focus on crashing the plane or not being able to fly. They focused on getting the plane to fly and take off. So this is what you do. You manage your thoughts, you manage your feelings, and then you take right actions because when your thoughts and your feelings are aligned and they're congruent and you believe in what you're doing and you know with certainty that you can accomplish it, and by certainty, that's that certainty that that Edward C. Barnes had, that he was going to be, no matter what, a partner of Edison, even if it didn't appear that he was ever going to get close to it for five years, he kept that dream alive. Where most people suffer today is they have a plan B. If it's not going to work, well, I'll do this. I'm from Hollywood, right? People go to Hollywood every day and go, I'll give it a year. I'll give it two years. If it doesn't work, I'll, I'll go back home. I'll be a banker. I'll be a realtor. I'll be a hairdresser. I'll be something else. I can always do something else. The ones who make it are the ones who go, I'm in for good. You know, if it doesn't work, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I'm there. And they live their passion, they live their dream, they make it happen. And I always say, really, that true success in Hollywood is a 15-year, you know, overnight success in 15 years, unless, of course, you're an eight-year-old child, then it's a little bit different. It's the last person standing who succeeds. When everybody else is given up, the person who's still out there auditioning and still out there trying for it, is the one that everybody realizes, hey, you know what, they're in for a long haul. They really mean business. Everybody else has come and gone, but they are first to recognize that those are the people you see break through. Look at anybody's IMDB page, for crying out loud, and you'll see that they didn't become an overnight success in most cases. They worked at it for years and years before you and I even began to recognize who they were or learn their name. That's just the way it is. But you can make all your dreams come true. You can you can have the money you want. You can have the romance you want. You can have the lifestyle you want. You can have the happiness you want. And you manage your thoughts and you manage your emotions and you put them to work for you. Uh, anything is possible. So um, I'm Rex Sykes. Again, go to RexSykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com, and check me out. Look at what I have. I've got courses and books and programs. And if you order the book from Amazon, you get a $500, $497 training as a bonus for and either what, but the book is going to tell you how to how to how to use your mind and and, and use your feelings. And with that, I am complete. Brightly, it's, it's amazing. This has been a, a great opportunity to be here, and I've learned so much from the other fabulous speakers. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rex, brother, Coach Calvin. Step back up Please. to the plate. Give us some more of that good stuff. Exactly, man. Um, I was um, listening to everyone, and um, very inspiring. So. You know, everything doesn't have consciousness. It is consciousness. Every thought that passed through your mind is conscious. So this is what we have to understand. Everything is fighting for life. Everything has life and is fighting for life. So every thought is fighting to express itself here in the 3D. So you as the observer are deciding which thoughts to project your consciousness into, and they're all antagonizing you. This is why thought concentration is important. So as one thought passes through your mind, it says, Dwight, think about me. 
Think about the lady that cut you off in traffic today. Then the next thought passes through your mind and says, no, Dwight, think about me. Think about wealth and abundance. And another thought passes and it says, no, Dwight, think about me. Think about heartache. Think about pain because I, too, want to exist. And what is the law? Energy must follow thought wherever it goes. So as the, as the observer, Dwight decides to project his consciousness into pain and heartache. Now Dwight starts to experience his reality. Then magnetically through the law of vibration, every destructive person, every destructive um, uh, um, experience comes to Dwight. And even through the law of correspondence, Dwight sees the world destructively. And this is how he starts to experience reality. But from a level of unawareness, he does not know he is creating. He is a walking dreamer. He is never not creating. So I always say the future does not exist. The future is a blank page. You are creating the future second by second, minute by minute. So the law of gender says your mind is a mental womb. And someone else is using our mental womb to birth the pages of the future. Someone is using our mental womb, right, to create their matrix, their idea of what happiness, to build their world. It is not until we understand that the conscious and the subconscious represent the masculine and feminine principle. The conscious is a critical thinker. It is trying to figure things out. It is trying to decide. It is, it is always in rational thought. The subconscious is a literal beast. It says, listen, I only create, and I create literally. I create instantaneously. Whatever you give me, I am going to create. I don't want a ticket. I am going to give you a ticket. I don't want to lose my house. I am going to make you lose your house. I don't want to experience fear anymore. I will make you experience fear. I do not know the difference. I am a literal beast. So this is where we have to understand the law of gender. The law of polarity says and teaches us how to be neutral. So if you walk to your kitchen sink, the water is neutral until you turn one side hot and extreme and you turn the other side cold and extreme. So how do we balance the water? We make the water warm, warm enough for us to put our hands through it. It teaches us to be neutral, not to love somebody so much to the form we have no to, to, the, to the point where we have no boundary. And then it teaches us not to hate somebody so much to the form we become destructive. So we experience both extremes so that we can remove, we can remain neutral. Do not attach ourselves to wealth so much to the point we become greedy. Do not attach, attach ourselves to failure so much to the point where we become, you know, unmotivated. So the journey is to not be attached to desires because it's the attachment that creates the ego self. We must remain neutral. Why is neutrality important? Because in neutrality... We now respond to life instead of reacting to it. The lady cuts us off in traffic. We react and we cut her off and now we are in a battle, a road rage. Responding, you know what? Step on the brakes, the white. Let her go. 
You walk in the house, your girlfriend is 100. She's screaming. She's yelling. Respond to life. Reacting is you go on 100. You start screaming and yelling. Respond. Observe. The entire world is for you, the observer, to observe. So these laws put you in a place where you can have equilibrium, balance, and you can bring true peace to yourself. So polarity also teaches us that there's only two ways you can feel. You're happy or you're sad. That's it. Whatever words you want to attach to it, depression, anger, anxiety, whatever words, there's only two ways you can feel at every moment, sad or happy. Those are the polarities. But the law teaches us create at any time. If you do not want to experience sadness, you are the generator. You are the God. You are the generator. You are generating your experience. You are the operator. You are participating and operating your experience. And also, creator, you are the destroyer. At any time, if you do not want to be sad at this moment, I can invert light. And you can experience love. And at any time, if love is too much and you do not like this experience, you will experience the opposite of that polarity. So this is why we go through our first lesson of painful emotional experiences so that we can perceive our own suffering. The laws allow us to see ourselves in these, um, in, in these laws participating in it. You see, karma is always for us. It's not for the other person. That is the hardest lesson that we gain. So a woman asked me, she said, do I attract narcissistic men? I said, no, you attract the lesson. You attract a reflection of yourself. Everybody that we are in a relationship with is a reflection of how you feel about yourself. Well, you say, I'm a great person. I said, well, let's observe the self then. Why is it that you have the narcissist? The narcissist shows that you are a codependent. You love people more than you love yourself. You are always trying to fix people. The narcissist shows you the reflection of you have no love for yourself. The narcissist shows that you have no boundaries. So until you perceive the lesson of your own suffering, another narcissistic man will come and another will come until you realize I am a co-creator and I am responsible for the effect of this cause. The thought in my mind is the cause. The experience is my effect. Another spiritual law, the law of cause and effect. It's happening in real time as I'm dealing with this narcissist. So now what happens? You create boundaries. You create self-love. Now you understand through the awareness of your heart that you are responsible. Accountability. Now, the electromagnetic field around you is so powerful now because now you have a boundary that the narcissist no longer comes. A new reflection comes. Love is not something that you do. It is what you are. So the reflection of who you are and what you are comes to you. Now you don't have to worry if a man loves you or if a woman loves you because you see a direct reflection of yourself in them. And this is what is continuously happening in this experience. You are observing yourself. The karma is for you. Unconditional consciousness 
is always seeking unconditional love. But unconditional love is for you. Conditions are for other people. The lesson is always about you and no one else. You can reach me by email, A-L-I-Y-A-H-S-T-R-T at gmail.com. For those who are new on this spiritual journey and want to receive any type of coaching, my website will be ready very soon. You can reach me on Instagram, Black Abyss, B-L-A-K underscore A-B-Y-S-S. Again, B-L-A-K underscore A-B-Y-S-S. It is also the name of my podcast on Anchor, the same name, Black Abyss. Dwight, I thank you, and I thank everybody on stage. This has been a great opportunity. Thank you, Coach Calvin. That guy belongs in uh, on Broadway in Hollywood or with Universal Studios in Orlando. He is the real deal. Jay Banks, step back up to the bat. Yes, sir. Thank you, Dwight. <clears throat> Uh, just enjoying this time here with all my brothers listening. Um, and I wanted to take us on a little, you know, I like to I like to tell stories or kind of go into a meditative state where we see, we're able to see the visions or the pictures in our, you know, what we, you know, people would say mind or third eye. Um, and today, you know, let's imagine we're going on a journey or you're going on a journey. Well, each each mentor, each guide, each elder in this talk today has given you different tools to put in your backpack, right? So you're all packed up. <laughs> you're ready to go. <clears throat> and now I just want to share a few things about what you may encounter on your journey, what you may encounter using some of these tools, and some of the things that happen. Um, and this is wisdom that I've gained. I'm sure everyone else here will have their own uh, visions or, or versions of this. But one of those that I want to talk about that's real important is the definition of success. Because we're in a time and age right now where actually people are, are getting too much information. It, they're, it's like they're flooded with information, right? Social media, uh, the internet, TV, it's everywhere. I mean, anywhere you want to find something, it's coming in. It's a blessing, and there's a, a negative side to it, right? We're talking about the law of polarity. It's just the way it is. It's not bad or good. It's just that's the way the environment's set up now. So we have access to all this information. So there's also a lot of environments, industries, even people who are defining what success is for you, and they're marketing and advertising that to you. And so this is very important for you to understand. Um, and in my, my own belief, my own knowing, success is what you define it. So success are the things that you desire, as my brother said earlier, of the Father, right? There are, there are internal unique gifts, unique dreams, unique directions that you've always had, or you may be developing and coming up with now. Um, in your life, and we're all unique, right? If you know, as we go through life, there's a lot of things that bring us into a realm where we kind of start to imitate each other, and 
a lot of that is good because we're hooking ourselves up to people who have uh, done something that we'd like to do or putting ourselves around people who have a vibration that we'd like to be around. But always remember that the fingerprints on your fingers, there's, those are the only ones in the world. They are unique. And it is very important for you to define what success is for yourself. This is key because you can go after something that you think is the vision or the image of success and you can get there and it's not what you thought it was going to be. And also when we talk about desire, <clears throat> the desire for something and in Think and Grow Rich, you'll read that, right? What's the first thing that you need? Well, a desire. You need a desire for something. And then there's a whole set of, of processes or tools that you go through to achieve that thing. But on your journey, on your adventure, if that desire is not burning hot for you, it's not, doesn't stay lit, this is what causes people to start something and then they drop off. Now, part of that is because they may not have really picked something that they truly desire. That's really, you know, what they really want to do. The other part of that is another tool on your journey is what people may call the law of gestation. Now, one of my brothers earlier talked about this when he was given the examples of planting corn or different seeds. Um, even even when our mothers gave birth to us, there's an understanding, there's a gestation period, right? Now, we say nine months. That may be a little give and take here or there, but there's an understanding of that time period. Now, the thing with our dreams, our wants, our desires, our goals, if we're really going, I mean, imagine the Wright brothers. Rex talked about earlier, right? What time period did they have for that? <laughs> Right, that this was something completely foreign to what humans had done before. So the gestation period is not really going to be known, meaning how long it's going to take for your dream or goal to give fruit or to arrive or to show up in your life. And so it's going to require persistence. And that means being able to persist through things like your father saying, you know, you're an idiot or you're stupid for doing this. Nobody's ever done that before, right? Friends cracking jokes at you, laughing at you. Uh, people coming to you and say, oh, man, you've been doing this for so long, man. Why don't you just try something new and quit? It'd be easier. All these things are going to come up. But I want to read two sentences here that actually I, I read every day with my accountability partner. And this is from a, a course that I facilitate for some of my clients. This is powerful every time I read it. It says, successful people are influenced by the desire for pleasing results. Failures are influenced by the desire for pleasing methods and are inclined to be satisfied with such results as can be obtained by doing things they like to do. So this is simply stating, and I've done this in my life. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd like to do that, but I only want to do the things that I like to do. But when you have a real purpose and a real direction in life, when I played college basketball and sports, did I love practice? No. Did I love running sprints? No. Did I love lifting weights 
three times a week? No. Did I love watching game film? No. Right? I mean, we remember the, the, the ESPN uh, recording of, you know, Allen Iverson, you know. <laughs> We're talking about practice. But I love the comment. I, I believe it's Laird, Laird Hamilton, one of the famous surfers. He said they should call surfing paddling. Because the majority of time, that's what a surfer is actually doing, is paddling. So when you start to realize that it's actually the behaviors and actions that we take every day that are going to produce the results. So this is why you'll hear coaches and many wise people tell you, don't get attached to the results. Yes, you take a glance and say, hey, that's where I'm going. But that's not what you focus on every day. My brother said earlier, you focus on the now. Right. So, okay, what is it that I need to do now? Okay, I need to go do my exercises. I need to go study. I need to go get my job done. I need to organize my plans. I need to set my schedule. Right. I need to actually get some rest so I'll be ready for the next day. I need to spend some time with my family. I need to set some plans. So the actions that you take, the behaviors that you take is what's going to cause you to be able to do things in your life. We don't manage time. We manage our behaviors, right? So you hear people say that all the time. Oh, I need to manage my time. No, you don't. You just need to manage your behaviors. What are you going to do? My brother earlier talked about Yoda. What are you going to do? I mean, we hear this all the time from my clients as well. Well, I'll try. And I'm like, well, hey, if you're going to try, then we may need to stop working together. Either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. I can take those answers. But trying, no, doesn't fly, right? And that's not because I'm trying to be tough love or hardcore. It's, there's nothing's going to happen in that state. And we talked about earlier, it's a mental state. It's the thoughts we're thinking. It's what we're actually generating within ourselves that's going to cause our external results. So the last piece I'll say is, Really, what I've really started to come to wrap myself around here, and I'm constantly learning, and the things that I'm talking about, I'm doing every day, and um, I've had my own challenges and rewarding results and disappointing results. But I've realized that really deep down, what I truly desire is self-mastery. And self-mastery encompasses all of these things. If you want to achieve certain results, it's going to require self-mastery. If you want to be able to radiate out or hold the thoughts that you choose to hold, self-mastery. If you want to feel the certain vibrations that you're in, self-mastery. If you want to take the appropriate behaviors or actions for your results, self-mastery. And I know me and Dwight talk about this all the time. There are certain things in life that are going to give you results. This is the last tool. Many things, people spend too much time beating themselves up or getting into a right and wrong or good and bad thing. To become a true alchemist is to understand the balances, right? To look at the periodic table and say, okay, what elements are going to be needed here and what elements maybe I, I remove or maybe only have a small percentage of. A perfect example of how elements will give you results. If you drink 40 ounces of water, that will give you a result. If you drink 40 ounces of beer, 
that will also give you a result. Neither one is good or bad, but they're definitely going to give you a result if you drink 40 ounces of either or the or or the other, right? And so if you start to look at that in life, you can start to understand, well, hey, if I do this thing, I know eventually it's going to give me a certain result. Either it's been proven or it's something in your heart you know, especially if you're bringing something out into the world that's never been seen before, that's never been done before. That is the space where all creation is going to happen and all results, again, as I said before, are going to happen. It's from the inside out. Now, we live in a world that is coming at you every day from the external. So you have to find that space to be able to go within yourself and be able to keep a uh, steady practice of repeating to yourself where it is you're going, who it is you want to be around, how you're going to operate, how you're going to behave, and what are the things that are required. So many times we are desiring something, but we're only looking at one piece of that goal, you know, to say, hey, I want to become a millionaire. So you're thinking about all the things that you can do now when you become a millionaire. And that's awesome. That's a great way to look at that. But there's also other things that come along with that, and you can start to ask yourself questions like, well, who do I have to become to be a millionaire? And also, who, what's going to happen after I become a millionaire, right? Sustaining that. And then in the end, this is something that comes up a lot with business owners that I work with. How are you going to exit? How are you going to end? There's also a completion phase. This, this, op, this happens in life, right? We have life and we have death. How are you going to end something? How are you going to move on to the next thing? And sometimes people don't think about that, right? They're like, oh, I want to get this thing, or I want to have this new house, or have this money. And then there comes responsibility with that power. And so what are you, how are you going to sustain it and either scale it or grow it? Or how are you going to end it or complete it? And we hear this a lot of times for in, in a company or a business. Okay, now that you've gotten to a certain point, did you ever think about selling the business? You know, now that you've gotten the equity in the home, are you going to sell the home? Now that you've gotten the 35% gain in your stocks, you know, you have to sell them to actually realize the gain. So think about these things on your journey, on your adventure. Again, my name is Jaron Banks. You can reach me by email at Jaron, J-A-R-O-N, at dreampoweracademy.com, or you can find me on Instagram, Jaron Keto Banks, J-A-R-O-N-K-I-T-O-B-A-N-K-S, on IG. Thank you. Thanks again, Dwight, and thank you, my brothers, for all being on the stage here with me. Thank you, Jay Banks. Hey, Lance Brooks, I need you to come and bring this thing home, man. Hit him with the thunder. Don't hold nothing back. Every time I grace the platform, I bring my best stuff. Here's why. Because it might be somebody in the audience that might be thinking about ending it all, and then it might be somebody out there that don't know me and never heard me speak before. I wanted to be just like when Jordan was on the court. I want to give them the best show that I can possibly give them. That's why I bring the best of the best to this show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm just taking all the notes, you know, that, yeah, you definitely are the uh, observer. I tell my clients um, that 
<clears throat> when I was listening to um, Coach Calvin, that, that you are not the thoughts. You're the one that's selecting the thoughts. You're the one that's, you're the thinker of the thoughts. You're the feeling of the feeling. You are pure awareness. You're the selector, selecting all of these things. But a lot of times people think they're the body. They think they're the thoughts. They think they're this and that, right? So um, I really enjoy that. And everyone on here as well, you know, um, especially um, Mr. Banks, how he was able, he submerged you down into the story, put you right there on stage. I can see it in the theater of my mind. The beautiful thing, right? So, um, yeah, going back on to, you know, on desire, since we kind of ease over into desire, if Shredding was talking about this, because uh, earlier today uh, in my um, coaching group, um, I was talking about the desire and how you should not stay there with desire. Desire is like turning on the car, but that's it. You know, that's, that's the work is not done. You still have to put the car in gear and drive. Desire is the priming of it. You desire, like how he mentioned, desire being a millionaire, or you some people desire being a mother, a father, and stuff like that, right? The desire is ha- is having that moment to quantumly jump over into that feeling of believing that it is. But where do you have to end back up? You end back up where where you are in that now, right? In that now state. Now the desire. This is the thing that I have found. You know, over in James, um. First chapter, 23rd verse through the 24th verse, it talks about that. You know, this book is just all about instructions, right? You know, it tells us, it said, you know, that um, you got to be not just listeners, but doer of the words. You got to do it, not just listen to the word. He said the ones that do that is someone who looks at, him, at his face in the mirror. He looks at his face in the mirror, then after looking at his face, he goes his own way and immediate, immediately forget what he looks like. When we have that desire, we see ourselves in a higher state, in a higher space. We see ourselves having that home, having that car, having that business, thriving in that loving, passionate relationship. Whatever it is, you see it, you desire it, right? Then you start feeling yourself into it. Well, a lot of times people desire something. They ride through the neighborhood. Oh, I would like to have a house like that. Or, or they see that car pull up. Oh, I would like to have a car like that. Oh, man, I want something like that one day. You know, they start doing it that one day. When you look on the calendar, one day is not on the calendar. Some day is not on the calendar. Maybe it's not on the calendar. And um, I don't know. It's not on the calendar, right? So when we put stuff down on calendars and say, you know, around this time, I'm going to have this done. I'm going to have this time. It may not be the exact time, but you start giving yourself a trajectory. Just like um, Rex had mentioned earlier about how they were going to the moon, right? How they were going to the moon. They just need pure will and desire to get there. Now they're going to have to make some corrections along the way, but the mind is already there. It's already made the move to be there. Why you shouldn't just stay in desire? Because a lot of times people stay there. They see themselves in that higher space. And like that scripture say, it's like looking at themselves in the mirror. They see that higher self in them. Doing that, having that, being that. Oh, that's my house. When we was when we was little, me and my brothers used to be in the car. Said, that's my car. That's my house. And still play that little game like that, right? And then when they walk away, they go well back to life, back to reality. They start saying little things like that. They go, oh well. They start looking at the now and how limited that they are in that now space. And like Coach Calvin said, you just cancel that out. You just, you know, the, you are really the observer. 
And you're saying, oh, you don't want that. Okay. But it's not judging it. It's not saying that, oh, no, 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 you don't want to do that. It's just, okay. Okay, so you really don't want that. You really don't believe you can have that. You're just desiring it. So desiring is of the Father to get you selecting what conscience you want. Then it comes into moving to embodying it. What would it feel like? How would it is to stay in that space? And yes, also, you're going to have to deal with the responsibility that, that is there. You desiring that mansion, like I had mentioned um, earlier, really this morning in Clubhouse, you're going to have to deal with that mansion utility bills and the upkeep of it and how to clean it and everything. Now, it's nothing wrong with a mansion, but it comes with responsibility. You got to come, got to eat from that plate too, all of it that's on that plate. You got to drink from all of that water from that well. You got inviting all of it, right? So you start inviting it. Now you're moving away from desiring it to being it. That's what they call us, a human being. We're being the state of consciousness in which we choose to select knowingly or unknowingly. We become being it. When we're worrying, we're selecting a state of consciousness. We're using our imagination on something that hasn't happened yet. It's called worry, right? So when we're happy about something that's coming, you know, when I was graduating, I remember, like, graduating from high school. I was happy. I finished all my courses high school. Graduation was a week later, but yet still I was jumping up and down happy, right? You know, that was something that already hadn't happened, but I saw myself in the mirror, throwing my head in the air, and I stayed in that space, and it happened. A lot of times people do not stay in the space. They use the current circumstances or where they are now to keep them from staying in that space. And they do like that 24th verse in uh, the first chapter of James. They walk away and immediately forget what they saw, canceling it out by the current circumstances, this credit score, what they got in their bank account, what what mama said or what daddy said, if you never amount to it, your friends said, man, you're not going to be able to afford no car like that. What's wrong with you? You know, stuff like that. They started canceling things out. Now, another thing that can move with desire is what you feed yourself. Like I tell my clients, what are you feeding yourself? You know, give yourself a steady diet, morning, noon, and night. You give your body breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but give yourself a mental diet, morning, noon, and night. What are you saying to yourself? And then also give it some snacks in between. That's what you normally do. You get a couple of snacks in, in between. So what? And what is that, that diet? Okay, it's the thoughts that we tell ourselves. It's what we are constantly observing, as Coach Calvin said, what we are telling ourselves, what we are feeding ourselves. It says it clearly in John, the fourth chapter, 20, no, fourth chapter, 32nd uh, verse through the 34th verse. Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. That's what he told the disciples. And they was like, what are you talking about? Did somebody bring you something and all that? And then on the 20, uh, 34th verse, he said, my food, this is what Jesus was talking about, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish the work. So what is that food is? That food was the thoughts. If you're constantly feeding yourself a steady diet, that's what the where it came from, food for thought. You ever heard that expression, food for thought? It came from that. You know, it's telling whatever thought that you're giving your consciousness, you're feeding it. You're going to embody it. That's why they say you are what you eat. And it's like that in the spirit realm as well. You constantly say that, you know, it's because I'm black. That's why they don't want to hire me. Because you'll find everyone don't want to hire you and you use that excuse. 
you'll find everything that you but you can observe it, like Calvin had mentioned, and go, no, I don't want to select that thought and step back from it and let it pass and select another thought. It's right there inside of you. You can select it. It's free. It costs you nothing to just observe, step back, and let it move by, and then select another one. Select another thought. They come streaming by all the time, right? You know, that's what this was telling us with that desire. So now you moved away from the desire to immersion, immersion yourself into Nobody. the feeling of whatever wow. desire that you had selected, that you have put yourself in. Now you start, now you have your target. Now you know exactly what you want. You immersing yourself. That's the target. Now they say that people live in sin. Now, sin doesn't mean what they, a lot of times they tell you, a breakdown in moral code, right? Sin simply means in the Hebrew to miss the mark. What is your mark? Is this to lose 20 pounds? Are you eating hagen and cookie dough every other day or on the weekend? Taking in a lot of sugar, sitting down, never working out, never trying to lose the weight, never even working towards losing the weight, not trying, working towards losing the weight. But... That's what you're doing. Well, literally, you're living in sin. By that definition, you're living in sin. You're missing the mark. What is the mark that we have in our lives? Is to be financially free? Is to be in a loving, passionate relationship? Like um, what Kevin said, mentioned about attracting the narcissist. Well, what are you giving yourself? Is what is going to reflect to you on the outside in the physical form. This world is a shadow world. It's a reflecting pond. It's constantly reflecting in a physical form what you have inside of you. So make sure that it's a lovely thought. It's an honorable thought. It's a thought that you want. They tell you that even how to think in the book, you know, in um, Philippians 4.8, it says think on these things that are noble and pleasant, right? The things that are on a higher vibration that you will definitely want in your life versus what you don't want because the observer don't care. It's just taking in what you want. Okay, I got it. Okay, I got it. Okay, all right. You know, until you be aware of what you're doing. Uh, old man used to tell me, hey, man, are you thinking about what you're thinking about? When I was young, I didn't understand what he was saying. I was about 14 years old. He said, make sure you're always thinking about what you're thinking about. It'll keep you out of a lot of trouble, you know, like that. He used to say that he was an old neighbor of mine across the street. Used to sit on the porch and say that all the time. Now I don't know exactly what he's talking about, right? We always observing, so you think about what you're thinking about. Now I don't allow myself to watch certain channels. I don't allow myself, to, especially at night, I don't allow myself to feed my mind certain things. I, I turn away from it. That's the story of Daniel in the lion's den. What was the lion's? The things that you don't want. That was the problem. That was all the stuff that you don't want. When you study carefully, he turned his back to the lion. He took his attention away from it, and he put his attention on what he wanted, and that's to get out. Yeah, what you don't want is those teeth on you, so he took his attention off of it. because he knew, if I, I don't want to be eaten, I don't want to be eaten, I don't want to be eaten, Daniel would have made it. He would have made it uh, through that night, right? But he turned his back and put his attention on what he wanted, and then it came to pass. It came to pass like that. That's what the story was really telling us. Turn your back on what you don't want and select what you do want. And then why, give it time. Give it time. We understand that it takes nine months, around roughly nine, between nine and ten months to have the baby, right? We know that it takes time. We know it takes time. 
So sometimes it shows up instantly. Sometimes it takes a couple of weeks. Sometimes it takes a couple of months. Sometimes it takes a couple of years. But if you walk in the state that you already bet now, well, then it doesn't matter about the time because you already there. That's what happened with um, Walt Disney when he was, um, they did the river cutting ceremony of um, Space Mountain. And Walt Disney had passed at, at a time they were doing another river cutting uh, ceremony of it. And this gentleman was up there and he gave a wonderful speech. And he said, it's a shame that Walt Disney is not here to see this wonderful edifice. All of this stuff happened to it. You know, he always talked about it, blah, blah, blah. His wife got up and corrected him and said, young man, Walt Disney, my husband, saw Space Mountain for years, for decades. He saw it. He talked about it all the time. He enjoyed the rides on it. He enjoyed it all the time. Me and him went on those rides plenty of times. Now you guys get to enjoy it. That's the only difference. He enjoyed it for decades. He just wanted to make it so that you can enjoy it. Because he walked in that state of mind that he enjoying it now and then started moving towards, adjusting towards. He didn't get upset about, you know, this disappointment. Because you're going to have disappointment. You're going to have a setback. You're going to have to readjust and recalculate and go back to the drawing board and stuff like that. That's part of the dance. It's part of the dance. But if you still stay at the end, that enjoying the ride, and then everything molds itself according to that belief. When you do that, you'd be amazed what happened in your life. I'm still living it. You know, we all are, right? Whether we know it or not, we all still living it. You know, but this amazing thing, I appreciate everyone on here. And if, you know, any one of your listeners may want to uh, join uh, one of my um, Facebook, start a new Facebook group, a coaching group. It's called the Quantum Shift. And it's $97 a month is a residual um, starting the second half of the year. And we upon the second half of the year starting tomorrow. So um, in June, we'll be rolling that out um, with me. They can reach out and um, they can DM me. I am Lance Brooks on um, Instagram or Facebook. Still, still the same. I am Lance Brooks. Or you can email me at Lance at LanceBrooks.com. Uh, my website is under construction now. If you probably go to it, probably say under construction. Um, it's www.lancebooks.com. Uh, I have my web guy working on that, just getting it set for the second half of the year. Um, but yeah, I'm Lance and I'm done speaking, and this has been a wonderful time on here. Thank you so much, Dwight. This is a privilege and an honor to be here and to be amongst all these great men. It was an honor to have five superstars on the stage. I mean, this is incredible. We're feeding the globe, we're lighting up the globe. We spreading light over the darkness. I'm going to close with a poem and then a couple thoughts. Are you thinking about what you've been thinking about? Hey, Clay. Yes, sir. Before you put, hey, just going to apologize. Apple must be doing something with the updates. All of my phone settings are very weird. And I, I have I had an open mic at times? Say that one more time. I said, have you been experiencing me with an open mic at times? because it's very difficult to determine when my phone is muted and when it's not. No, it, it's been fine, and uh, I think uh, Doug, he'll clean it up, so it won't be no, it won't be nothing on there when he does the finished product. Well, all right, I'm going to say goodbye when you close. But what a fabulous opportunity for all of us, and you're an amazing host, and you offer so much value. It's been a true pleasure to be here. Thank you kindly. Thank you, Rex. We appreciate it. It's been an honor to have all you superstars on the stage tonight. Indeed it has. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All the best to you. Okay. This poem is titled, 
I've got my mind on it, and it's very dear to me. I've got my heart in it, and it has an unbelievable beat. I've got my heart in it, and due to the still small voice within, yo, I be hearing deep. I've got my heart in it, and I'm expressing my faith. I know that I know that I can teach. I've got my mind on it, and I'm always being authentic with me. I've got my mind on it, and all my promises to myself I'm going to keep. I've got my mind on it, and I'm having an amazing and pleasing personality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm operating from the vantage point of intentionality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm calm, serene, and tranquil like the sea. I've got my mind on it. And I'm at total peace like the umpire within me. I've got my mind on it. And I'm being creative with the law of creativity. I've got my mind on it. And I'm reaching further than even I thought I would reach. I've got my mind on it. And I'm releasing immortal truths. I'm far more than just the white lead. I've got my mind on it. And I'm demonstrating all the greatness inside of me. I've got my mind on it. And I'm always, yo, I be thinking deep. I've got my mind on it. All of my art produced to this far is of the highest quality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm enjoying being surrounded by natural beauty. I've got my mind on it, and I'm reaching feats that only I am knew I would reach. I've got my mind on it, and I'm consistently and persistently embracing posterity. I've got my mind on it, and I'm discovering more of my own potentiality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm dominating deliberately. I've got my mind on it. And that specific material manifestation is for Dwight Lee. I've got my mind on it. I'm consistently receiving financial prosperity. I've got my mind on it. And through my spirit is revealed, I am part of the elite. I've got my mind on it. Sort of like MJ, Kobe, LeBron, Kareem, and Dr. Martin Luther King. I, too, have a dream. You've been a witness. I give your testimony. Now, I'll leave you with these quotes. Buddha said we are the sum total of our thoughts. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that all we are is what we think about all day long. Dr. Ken McFarland said 2% of the world thinks, 3% of the world think that they think, and 95% of people would rather die than think. Henry David Thoreau said if one advances confidently in the direction of their dreams and endeavors to live the life which they have imagined, they will meet with success unexpected in common hours. You have been live on volume 11 of the experience. Thank you so much. Sudden Impact Out. Discover the power of positivity. Identify your gifts. Then plan and execute your passion. And ultimately, thrive exponentially in life and most importantly in business. On Sudden Eye Impact with your host, with your host, Lee, your host, Lee, your host, Lee. Your host. Lee. Your host.